Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 at Peach Troops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We are recording after a Hawks comeback bid fell short against the Milwaukee Bucks on a Wednesday evening. Uh, Glenn, how are you? Yeah, good. Uh, how you doing, Kevin? <laughs> All right. Uh, plenty to do. Uh, I guess we can start with uh, your initial feelings on what you saw in the Bucks game without Trey and Clint Capella. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's one where you uh not to discount Trey's absence, but you know, with Capella, the the rebounding early, uh especially a team that puts up a lot of threes like the Bucks, uh, long rebounds, uh kind of takes everybody to rebound and Clint's obviously the by far the best rebounder on the team. You know, but they they, you know, fought back in the third. Uh, it was interesting that a lot of that came from the second unit. Um, which is always uh, a nice boost when you get you know, production from from that group, and they were positioned there at what roughly halfway through the fourth quarter, um, basically a one possession game at that point in time, and uh, the Hawks just stopped attacking the paint uh, and kind of ran through things through bogey, which made sense if you kind of look at the stat sheet in terms of who was the one that was making shots tonight, which one of their creators were was most efficient. It was him. Um, but I thought they were creating much better shots when they were just looking for opportunities to attack the paint. And the last three minutes went all wrong. Yeah. And it feels like attacking the paint was kind of a problem all game long. Like to me, that was the biggest challenge I thought the Hawks faced in the first half was they were just, you know, without Trey, they were having difficulty attacking the paint. Brooke Lopez was dropping away off of Okongwu and just kind of setting up camp at the rim, and there was just nothing to be had there. Uh, you know, it just didn't seem like DeJounte had the size. You know, you look at the totality of, of the shots that DeJounte, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and Bogey got in the first half, and it just felt like they were taking uh, way too many contested off balance 15 14 16 footers that that weren't good offense and you know it was happening without a whole lot of passes um and i just feel like the fact that they they didn't feel good about themselves getting to the rim you know just kind of limited the passes like the ball wasn't moving after that initial foray into the paint i feel like you know if lopez wasn't back there and they were getting deeper penetration then the ball would have moved a little bit better. Uh, but because it wasn't, because they almost seemed like they were scared of going at Lopez in the first half because he's really good. Um, you know, that just kind of killed their offense and they got way too complacent just taking the first shot that was there. And it usually wasn't a good shot. Yeah. And that's, I think, one reason, you know, Frank Kaminsky played as much as he did because he did, he pulled, uh, his man up at least to the level of the free throw line. Yes. And and that's when they started finding um, driving lanes and space to, to attack the paint. And, you know, and Nate went back to him, caught, I think, all of us off guard, that little two-minute stretch or whatever it was from, I think, about five minutes to go to three minutes to go, um, uh, to, I think, to try to kind of create some of that spacing. But it was strange, but even when Frank went back on the court, like DeJounte didn't try to take advantage of that space. I thought like Aaron Holiday was one of the most aggressive guys kind of attacking yep. tonight. Uh, and the second half, Hunter was a little better about that. 
Um, yeah. You know, uh, Jalen, I thought was great um, when he had opportunities, uh, you know, kind of there. So, it, you know, it's like you're watching that group, and it's like, man, this group's doing really well, but they can't close this game, not not against the Bucks, right? And so, I, you know, Nate uh, did, I think, what any NBA coach would do, kind of went back to his starters, and I always said on Twitter, it's like it's going to have to be DeJounte that kind of gets them this win in terms of leadership and kind of taking um, some ownership of kind of getting them into the things that they needed to do. Um, and man, he, he just had nothing, uh, you know, <laughs> down the stretch. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's funny for uh, Kaminsky was uh plus 13 team best. Um, I know that, uh, you know, for a game where you were minus nine in the end, that that's, that's pretty substantial, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, when you go three for four from the three point line, it's a, it's a five that helps a lot, but I think, um, minus Trey, especially who's clearly, uh, their best, um, offensive primary, uh, and creator and all that sort of stuff that, uh, I thought it was a smart move in that, um, you know, Frank did kind of create some space for them to attack. And that's, that's what got them back in, in the game to me. Um, now if, if Frank goes one for four instead of three for four, he gives back too much on defense, I would think. Typically is what we would expect, but uh, he moved the ball. He created space. He made his shots, um, and that got them back. But I don't – I don't. it's not that I think Nate should have rode him the whole way. I think once he got J.C. and Onyeka back in there, and, and they made a – you know, J.C. and Onyeka fought, I thought, pretty hard on defense, did a better job against a, in a matchup like this than I have seen in a while in terms of, you know, defending without fouling. Collins didn't have a, f- a single foul in the game, you know, which is fairly shocking going up against Giannis. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, you know, does not they couldn't get anything going. And then they tried to run action to create three point shots for bogey. And, and I said on Twitter after the game, I was like, that felt like an old school thing. Like, Oh, Bogey's got the hot hand tonight. Bogey's been our guy tonight. He's been, you know, out of out of our guys we consider kind of offensive primaries. He was the one that kind of uh gave us the most juice in the second half. And but I think what that analysis um doesn't account for is that the Bucks are um a team that can just take away your first option, recognize what you're doing, identify it shut that down if you don't have a second and third action kind of ready to go to kind of punish how much they'll throw at that first action they'll check they'll check up your whole offense that's what the that's what the it looked like down the stretch to me that 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 seems fair uh you know in talking about shutting down the first option like trey makes a big difference in this game because i think he's sort of the ideal problem solver in terms of in terms of beating uh you know an elite drop coverage Mm -hmm. uh you know, he, he would made a, a big, big difference in it. You know, it just wasn't the same with uh, DeJounte. Is there a point at which, you know, you get worried that maybe this is this is what you get from DeJounte? Like, if you, if you take his season as a whole, uh, you know, is this good enough? Is this what you expected? Is it different, you know, when you don't have someone like Capella? Like, is... Is this enough that that they're getting from him, or what they what might what they might have expected, given what they gave up in in the trade to get him? No, I I don't think it is, and I um, it's kind of funny. I I still have mixed feelings about Dejounte, and you can tell me if you think this is ridiculous or not. But man, there are times I love like 
early in the season, and this was before the ankle injury. I, I have no idea how much that ankle is bothering him right now, how much is limiting him right now. It's hard. It's so hard to know. Right. But, you know, early in the season, he was just relentless. He would attack and attack and attack and attack on both ends, really. Um, and, and I, and even though he and Trey couldn't really sync up, you know, you and I've talked about, I've shared with you, you here on the podcast that what I really want to say is Trey rotates the ball, DeJounte attacks that gap, you know, and DeJounte, for whatever reason, is just a guy that wants to kind of get a dribble down, see the floor. And, and I wish, you know, maybe there's something I don't know about his style or the way he sees the floor or whatever, but. I want to see him grab and go on the weak side. And he's, you know, we've seen like just a few handful of examples of that across the season. Here we are, you know, roughly at the half point of the season. So I don't think that's enough. Um, I think, you know, when he can kind of use uh, middle ball screens, kind of get to the free throw in the area around the now, I think he's a really, really good score in that area when he's working down on the baseline. Um and can't get past his man. I think he's um, ends up with, you know, pretty um, undesirable shots uh, kind of in that area. And so I feel like they need more from him. I, I don't feel like I want to put it all on him, but kind of going back to my feelings, it's like, sometimes I, I love just like how hard he plays, how relentless he is attacking for whatever reason that seems to kind of come and go. But there's also been other times like, man, what a knucklehead. You know, like that Houston game always kind of stand out to me. You know, he wasn't alone with that when he and Trey, you know, we don't have to rehash that. But and then tonight, I don't know what happened on that hit ahead pass to JC, but I was like, man, just make the simple play, Dejounte. That was a huge possession in the game, as it turned out. You know, yeah. I was I, I looked up a few minutes later and I was they were down eight, I think. And I was like, man, they would only be down six with like a minute and a half left if they just converted that bucket. And so, you know, so I, I feel like I'm still kind of having kind of this duality of experience watching him where sometimes I'm like, yes, you know, attack, be aggressive, go, go, go. And other times I'm like, what are you doing? Um, and maybe I just need to, you know, get through a whole season and then kind of look back and like, okay, what was the prevailing experience I had? But they, I think they need more. I, I think on defense, he's disruptive and can create stills and create transition opportunities but I don't think he's good enough keeping his guy in front. I don't think he's good enough getting over screens sometimes, maybe inconsistent. And again, I don't know how much of that of late is the ankle. I don't know. I don't think he's ever been um, like an awesome guy keeping guys in front. I think he's been better, a lot better off ball, jumping, passing lanes. He's he's good. He's a really good help defender, good low man. He's really physical, physical for a guy his size, um, a good organizer. Uh, he does a great job of like, uh, you know, keeping Trey out of certain spots as his kind of guard mate on the floor, recognizing when the opposing team's going to put Trey in this, into a mess, you know, into the primary action, and he'll pre-switch that. So, I mean, I, I that's why for me it's like, man, there's all these things that like I like that he does, and there's these other things that that I feel like just pop up at the worst time sometimes. Um, but I, I don't. I mean, playing with a guy like Trey is hard, you know, and I think it does take time. Is half a season enough? Uh, you know, I feel like I don't, I feel like I don't know that I really know the answer to that question. And I feel like maybe the fairest thing to do is to keep watching and see if they can continue to kind of uh, integrate uh, um, incrementally in a better way. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that That's sort of a, 
holistic answer, I think, to what we've seen. Uh, you you mentioned the you know getting organized on defense and helping Trey and getting Trey out of bad spots. That's something we saw late in the Clippers game. Uh, mm-hmm. are, are there? We haven't potted since the beginning of that West Coast trip. What are your big takeaways that you saw from the things on that trip? Well, I mean, that Clippers game it was such a fun and satisfying, you know, kind of win, I think, for Hawks fans to see them kind of really, really fight. It was fun to see JC and then Yeka, um, uh, probably, I think, play their best defensive basketball uh, of the season in terms of a duo, you know, and which, which they needed every, needed every ounce of that to win that game. And then, you know, uh, Zupac is a really good center. Um, but man, Trey ate him up in drop coverage, just like you mentioned, like tonight, uh, missing him with the, I mean, Brooke may be the best drop center in the league right now. Maybe, you know, yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, um, and I think, I think Embiid is pretty good, but I think Embiid's offensive workload is so big that he's, uh, not, um, able to, you know, be as, uh, energy invested on that end of the court. So that's, that's kind of how it seems to me. Um, but I mean, I think the Lakers are like now we saw two games of the Lakers, awful matchup, so much size and strength, especially when they're down Clint and they could do nothing with LeBron in either game. And the Lakers play like a veteran team that like if they if they're like, Oh, we see a weakness, we see an issue you're having, and they just like pound it, you know, and relentlessly. And that's that's kind of what happened there. So I mean, you know, that Sacramento game, um, they pulled that one out. The Clippers game, they they pulled that one out. So I thought they, I, I think sometimes casual fans don't know how exhausting those opposite coast trips are. And so I, I think right. like kind of the win the win loss result was totally acceptable. You know, even if we look at some stretches of games and some long stretches of games and be like, oh man, that was just super ugly basketball. There, um, they needed that clip. That, they needed to win that Clippers game. And man, Deion, DeAndre was. I, but was that him the best offensive game of his career? The way he handled Kawhi in that game. I mean, I think he's had some some good ones, but I, you know that that was honestly my takeaway. As I just, you know, Lakers game aside, because that was a complete aberration. But like the other three games on that trip, I thought he played great, and overall, you know, continued sort of a pattern from when he's come back from his injury of, of some really solid play. And you, you were talking a few minutes ago about, you know, one of the things you want from DeJounte is, you know, when, when Trey's working on one side and he swings the ball to DeJounte on the other, you know, attack the seam right away. And I feel like DeAndre's gotten better at mm-hmm. that yep. over the last month. Like there's still the occasional jab step, but it's not the only thing that he does. And that's that's what you want. It's not that jab steps are bad. They're just bad if it's the only thing that you do and you're killing, you know, killing the offense every single time. Like uh I don't think DeAndre had a particularly good game against Milwaukee. Like it, it felt like he missed uh he gets a little bit of tunnel vision on some of his drives when when really the end result probably shouldn't be a shot if it's early in the shot clock and you don't see what you like on on that you know, take to the rim or take into the paint at least. Um, but it just feels like he's gotten much better at quick decision-making, whether that's, you know, if he's open for a catch and shoot three, getting up a high volume of threes, if it's just, you know, catch and go, you know, he's gotten much better at that. And, you know, when you balance that stuff out with the jab steps, uh, it's really good. And 
I think he's gotten better at protecting the ball on his drives. You can kind of see him, you know, uh, mid drive, you know, doing a little bit of a, not as we wouldn't call it a crossover in the crossover sense, but you know, he'll change which hand he's using on his dribble to kind of get it to a side that's better protected, keep the defense a little bit off balance and, you know, just simple stuff like that. I feel like he's protecting the ball much better on his drives of late too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, you know, hopefully there's still some more growth for him there. But I, I, I'm kind of of the view that even if he, if he attacks, like if it's just a big man kind of sitting in front of the rim and he goes right at him, even if he gets the, the shot blocked, as long as he didn't pass up a really obvious pass, like a drop yeah. off, you know, or whatever, which he does, you know, he still, he still misses those. Every once in a while, he'll show you one that is like, okay, you know, how can we how can we make this a little bit more consistent part of the part of the game? But I just wanted to be aggressive. There was a, a play tonight. It, it ended is in the I think the third quarter. Mm-hmm. It ended in the JC three on the right wing. Um, but he had Joe Ingles on him and he gave the ball to Jante. Jante had drew on him. I was like, Dre, man, just Joe Ingles is what, like a few games back from, you know, recovering from the surgery he had and mm-hmm. and all of that. And he, you know, yeah, I mean, five years ago, Joe Ingles was an awesome defender. I mean, right. he was like defending Chris Paul, like a whole yep. playoff game, you know, and doing well. He's not that guy anymore, you know. And so I, when he caught the ball and had Ingles on it, I was like, how do you not know that you can just go right past him, you know? So, that, you know, but there's that, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll say all the time, again, my, my educational background is in psychology and Fans get frustrated with players, but players, their personality shows up in in the decisions they make on the court and things like that. And I just don't think that he's ever going to be the most naturally assertive and aggressive person, you know, um, can can make incremental progress around that and kind of um, maybe um, create some habits that, that gets him into that aggressiveness more. But if you ever expect the player to be a different person than they are, I think that's a really unreasonable thing to 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 want but so it takes i think in a situation like that my coaching experience it takes his teammates staying in his ear stay aggressive stay aggressive attack that attack him you know you know do that coaches the same way because it's not his natural inclination i think we could say at this point so you know that so but i mean he's been he's been good he's been really good and they don't win i don't think any of the games they win um without him and then just jay i mean jc just keeps playing I mean, just showing more and more and more on defense. It's like all the little areas of play. You know, I I, I uh, put one out. I forgot which game it was. I think it was the Kings game, um, where uh, where he you know got in the side pick and roll, got his hands really, really, really low, anticipating that the ball handler um, prefers the, a bounce pass, bounce pocket pass, and and disrupted that. And just tonight, he had a couple of plays where he got his hands into kind of Giannis's area, no fouls tonight. Um, but I think if, in that technique, right, it's like with Giannis, you've got to connect with that ball before he starts raising it to shoot. Like even if he gets like any upward motion at all with that ball in his hands, you're going to foul, you're going to end up a foul and probably a, a plus one. So you got to get the hand in there before he starts. And he did that two or three times tonight, you know, successfully. And so his kind of, um, areas of, of really fine uh, detail and technique are just so, so much better than last year. So, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's such a frustrating team to watch sometimes. 
they ha- they needed to win that Warriors game. Too many times they kind of missed opportunities to put a game away, just like they did in Golden State. You know, they should have put that away in regulation. Then they should have put that away in a, a couple of different points in overtime and just couldn't 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 get a rebound, couldn't figure out this or that, you know. But when you watch like JC's progress as a defender, Hunter, you know, becoming uh, a more reliable producer uh these last few weeks, we know what they can do. It's like you know, you see these little pieces that kind of still make you feel kind of excited about the roster, but just they they just can't quite find that consistency um, that they would need to push upward in the in the standings. Yeah, I mean, they're it's a halfway point of the season, and they're nineteen and twenty two, and that seems terrible. But you know, you look at the numbers of you know what the starting lineup does when they're together, and it's. You know, those those lineups are good. Um, you know, the bench isn't particularly deep, so that's always going to be an issue as soon as you have even the slightest little bit of injury issue. But, you know, if if it feels like if you can kind of get the, the trade DeJounte chemistry working, you're just going to get enough defense from your front court to be a competitive team. I mean, the, the NBA is really balanced right now there are just so many teams near the middle um it just feels like there's opportunity there if if they can get healthy enough to get their full defense set yeah yeah i agree again kind of just looking through the standings here about the halfway point it's like boston brooklyn um milwaukee philadelphia cleveland It, it, it they feel like that group is it feels like that group is separated from the rest, at least for now, uh, we'll mm-hmm. see how the KD, KD injury impacts Brooklyn. And, you know, um, yeah, the, I think it's a huge impact, uh, but I also think they're a pretty solid team with Jock Vaughn has them playing, um, you know, just better basketball overall. So, you, you know, I don't know how much they come back, but then you got uh, New York, Indy, Miami sitting ahead of them. And in my mind, like if, if the Hawks are healthy, and playing constructively, I think I would expect them to finish to be a better team than those three that are ahead of them right now. You know, I, and I don't want to discount like the Knicks have had like some stretches of some really awesome play this year, especially on defense. Uh, like they'll go like three, three and a half weeks of just playing almost perfect defense. Um, and then they'll kind of uh, lose their way, <laughs> you know, right. for whatever reason, you know. Um, but I still like, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to what the Pacers have accomplished, man. If you if you do if you go into a game against the Pacers and you're not ready to, to deal with their pace, no pun intended, um, you're you're gonna lose that game. You know, so I don't I'm I'm not trying to be disrespectful to those teams. I just think uh kind of one through eight, one through nine, whatever, however you want to count that, I just think they the Hawks have a lot more than those teams do. It's just a matter of the consistency of execution and and in some examples the consistency of effort you know and if they and again the nba season's a grind every team kind of has their energy wax and wane just the travel and all, you know, all that sort of stuff and everything so i i don't ever want to uh act like i'm expecting a team to always be a plus effort energy all the time that's just that's impossible to maintain that across an nba season but it needs for them to accomplish what they can accomplish, it needs to be better and more than what it's been, even if no one can expect it to be a plus all the time. So that's, that's, you know, to me, that's what it's going to kind of come down to, um, you know, that the, there are just, there are potential distractions around the team. Hard for me to know, like 
is that a minor issue right now or is that a not kind of a non-issue right now or is it a major? I, I don't I don't know but um it's kind of one of those things like on the west coast road trip you may wonder like if they got a kind of a break you know from some of the attention that, that's drawn to that um you know they wouldn't be the first team that in, in some ways play better on the road when there's that sort of kind of distraction factor there but it's I, I can't anticipate how that's going to impact them the rest of the way but they're professionals and I, I I think if they decide they want to kind of uh not let that affect them too much that's something that hopefully you can do um even though i don't i don't know for sure kind of what the the feel is is inside the team right now it's hard hard to know but i mean i, I know there's a lot of speculation with the um Derek favors 10 day contract that that means clint's um uh, not progressing um, in the way that maybe we thought he was a few days ago. Do you, I, I didn't see any reason to connect those dots personally, but I wonder if you have a kind of a view or take on that. Um, I, 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 tonight I enjoyed every version of the joke that, uh, <laughs> that said something to the effect of Frank Kaminsky is, is, finally out there balling now that he's worried because Derek favors is here as, as if, you know, Derek was here to, to steal his minutes. I mean, I just think they need, I, you know, I don't think Frank Kaminsky has been particularly good until tonight. Um, right. You know, like I, this, this game was particularly well suited. I thought, you know, the whole, you know, playing from the elbows and working dribble handoffs with bogey and things like that, you know, that, that played to what they really, really needed tonight. Um, you know, against what Milwaukee was doing defensively. And so, you know, he, he played a really good game, but there, there were nights uh, and there have been lots of nights recently where they need somebody who can give them, you know, interior defense and rebounding. And they have not had, you know, even a whiff of that with, with Kaminsky when they've needed him. So I don't particularly think that that's, uh, any in any way related to Clint. I just think that they've needed more center depth period. Um, you know, Clint had a, what's today? Today's Wednesday. So I guess it was uh, yesterday, you know, Clint worked out, you know, did a lot of tip drills, a lot of jumping. Like he, when we first came into the practice yesterday, he was shooting 15 foot jumpers and he was being really, really, cautious i think that was just a very deliberate thing i was like oh no like he's he's not jumping on jump shots that's that's weird and then you know shortly after i think was his medical test to see how close he is and you know they you know a lot of tip drills a lot of rebounding work with uh with matt hill uh and you know it was very uh vertically inclined to see him jump 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 in, in front of some medical staff and you know, then they all had a conversation when it was done. I don't know what the conversation was, but, you know, before that, Nate said, hey, you know, he's getting closer. It's it's kind of a day-to-day thing. And Landry went on the radio today and, and echoed the same sentiment. So I don't think Derek Favors is here because of anything specifically related to Clint. It's probably an opportune time with Clint. I just think that they haven't had the center depth. And if you can get somebody with the, NBA uh, pedigree of Derek Favors on a 10 day contract just to see what's there. I think you do it. Yeah. It, it I mean, started I, with that. 
how many players yeah. of his caliber signed 10 day deals and, you know, partly maybe just because he lives in Atlanta. Right. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And then, you know, while they have, you know, who, who, longs how, who knows how long they'll go with the 15th roster spot filled, you know, um, but you can kind of look at that. Like tonight, they need they needed Frank's offensive juice you know, sure. that, that that got them back into the uh, to the game. There are other games where uh, he's just not playable defensively. Yeah. You know, you know, heavy pick and roll teams. The Bucks don't run a lot of pick and roll, right? Um, things like that. Um, and not that Favors is the guy you want in the pick and roll all the time, but he has a lot of experience just organizing and getting people in the right spot and, and those sorts of things. I mean, Frank Kaminsky knows how to play basketball. You know, I, I, you know, he's probably at a point right now where, you know, the injuries are taking a toll. And so even, even if he's has always been, um, you know, a below average defender for what you need from the center position, in my view, he still, he knows what he's doing. He's competent, professional experienced guy. And he showed that tonight, you know, right. Um, uh, favors maybe gives you a guy who can certainly at least rebound better than Frank can, right. you know, um, and do some of those kind of, kind of basic things. So you know, it's nice to have a, an option to go like, oh man, we really got to go more towards defense. I need, I need five or six minutes from someone Clinton in foul trouble or whatever, you know, um, and, and such. So I, I think it's nice to have that option and the professionalism experience is kind of, kind of like you alluded to. It's kind of funny. I, I was, um, looking ahead here. Um, uh, the schedule Pacers a couple spots ahead Friday. Raptors one spot behind Saturday. Heat, uh, I think one spot ahead on, on Monday. So these are three big games for their little kind of, uh, you know, Seven through yeah. or six, six through 10, 11 spot, you know, throwing the Knicks in there too. So, I mean, this is an opportunity, you know, as the season continues to kind of progress to kind of get a little up higher than those teams, you know, get a tiebreaker, you know, edge with those teams. So, these are some huge games coming up, in my view. Yeah, I was, that's exactly. Yeah. We, I was talking with Steve Holman after tonight's game about exactly that that these are seeding games you know you look at the oh, yeah. 7 to 10 7 to 12 you know whatever those teams are going to be and like these these three games are going to go a long way towards determining that and just to back tra- backtrack to frank for a second like you know he, his he has a track record of not really being a good defensive center and you know he clearly hasn't been a good defensive center for the hawks but you know it's at the same time it's uh almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Cause like, you know, he's coming back from injury. He's playing like two minute stints, four minute stints. And it's hard to get a comfort level. It's hard to get a rhythm. And even like mm-hmm. tonight, just, you know, just the juice he got from having like a good offensive game. It felt like he was playing better defensively in terms of, you know, when the bucks would try interior passes, when they were trying to, you know, get a shot up in the paint and, but started with the ball down low, he was getting his hands on some things and it's just, even just a little bit more of that, you know, could go a long way because you know, he's been unplayable defensively up until now. And I, you know, I don't know that that necessarily continues, you know, maybe a, a good vibe here and there goes a long way for someone like that. I think that's a great point. You know, um, we all feel better in the balls going or our shots are going in, right? <laughs> that's a yeah. very normal human thing, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
you know, there are like those hands full of like, there's like, I don't know, at any given year, like five guys in the league that literally don't care at all. Like, you know, Dennis Rodman was like, like that, you know, it was going to, he's going to be a million miles an hour all the time. Didn't care if he ever touched the ball. It's kind of an extreme example, but you know, Clint, Clint is kind of that way, you yeah. know, um, but that, that's definitely atypical, you know, and, um, and, you know, for me, I like, I think back a million years ago to when I played in high school, it's like, yeah, I had kind of, I, you know, switched into the court faster when my shot was going in, you know, sure. just, there's just a little energy boost there. So, and when you already have some physical limitations, that extra bit of energy can uh, make a difference on a position here and there. So, yeah, yeah, these, um, that conversation you had with Steve was like spot on. And, and not only that, but like if one of those top teams, you know, not that we're wishing for it, but if they have a an injury to deal with and they start falling, that you know the Nets are uh, at a great spot. The two spot right now would be kind of a long way to fall, but you'd rather be seven than eight or nine or ten if someone starts dropping. You know, uh, yeah. or rather be six than seven or eight or nine. You know, however it works out. Um, and so this is kind of gone from I think where we wish the Hawks were probably in a spot to be like fighting for five, maybe four. You know, um, to bet now where they the best they can think they can do right now is kind of put themselves in position to be ahead of that that pack uh, and be ready to pounce if uh, a team that's up there starts struggling for some reason. And so these next three, um, man, a three and zero would be amazing. Uh, you know, um, you know, but we'll we'll see. Jimmy Butler always has something for Trey Young. It seems like um, Toronto. Uh, creates like what, a million turnovers you know every time they play the hawks it kind of feels like right <laughs> even though the hawks are the best turnover team in the league have been for a while now and then the pacers man last time we saw them play like the pacers just like ran them off the floor and yeah i so, think that was the most disappointing game of the season for the hawks where it's just like this, yeah. this is what you do this is the product that is supposed to be an entertainment product and it was just i felt like that was a dismal game uh i'm intrigued just to see that one just to see if you know, same site, same team. If there's a difference in the uh, overall uh, approach and energy level there, yeah, agreed. I mean, for 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 them and for Hawks fans, hopefully so. Um, you know, it's one thing to kind of encounter this version of, of a Pacers team. I think that's one of the reasons the Pacers have the record they do is just they just really surprise teams, right? Like you look at the roster, and you know, and again, not to be disrespectful, but it's like you know they have two or three like you know starters you know and then they have a bunch of other kind of rotation guys you know and things like that but like you know you get six minutes you get happy the first quarter and they've hung 26 points on you just by racing the ball up the floor and you're like oh it's this 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 bad (laughs) it's this much you know holy cow and so you know maybe a little bit of a pass like the first time you're like oh that oh it's it really is like this you know second time no pass. Got to be uh, expectations that you're ready to to deal with that uh, from the beginning. So the, you know these are big games. It's kind of funny. It's like a you know just kind of on the surface. It's like I yeah I, I feel like I could expect him to win all three games. You know, but then you see this path like the Toronto Toronto turning them over a million times. Uh, them not being uh, more ready for the Pacers pace, and then Spo. You know, you know doing what Spo does and and you know we saw in that playoff series last year that 
Uh, and again, I'm not trying to turn this to a bashing Nate, but that you know, Nate's not that same kind of coach, you know. Um, and so, like you see these those paths too. So, but you know, I feel like if they come out and play the way they're capable of playing, two and one is a great outcome. Three and zero is even better. Um, and we'll hope Clint can play at least two of these. We'll see. Um, hopefully, Trey's feeling better soon. Um, back to backs this weekend. Uh, hopefully, he's all the way back before those those start a couple of days out. Um, big games. Yep. All right. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, Glenn. Have a good night. Thanks, Kevin. You too.